Did you know Super Awesome Mix has an app? Go to the Apple App Store today and download Super Awesome Mix. It's free. You could start creating and sending your own digital mixtapes in just a few clicks. Also, there's links to our Instagram account and a link where you can follow your favorite podcast. Speaking of which... Welcome back to another super awesome mix. My name is Matt Sidholm, alongside my co-host and co-founder of Super Awesome Mix, Samer Abusalbi. Samer, how are we doing this week? Doing real well. It is uh, it's fall now, which I as if you've been listening for a while, you know I'm really excited. Um, fall is actually one of my favorite seasons, but there's also the time being in the Northeast um, that people go apple picking, and I was wondering, have you ever been apple picking? Because I have not. And I just can't seem to figure out why why you might even do that. <laughs> just, <laughs> well, when I lived there's... in when I lived in Maine, I lived in Maine for three years. And while I was up there, one summer we went strawberry picking. Okay. And that that was actually it was actually more fun than you think because you kind of go through and it's kind of this they you know you're out there on the farm and you're just picking fruit and then you take home all this fresh fruit. So I was like, yeah, this, is, this is all right, you know? Okay. I don't think all it's right. something I would do every, you know, every day. Like, I don't think it would make it a habit. And I don't think I want to be a farmer. But, <laughs> all right. you know, now that I have small kids, I could see myself taking the kids to something like that and them just really enjoying it. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But no apple picking. I've never, I don't know if I've been close enough to an apple orchard to make that happen. Yeah, that's fair. I um I will stick to I think the Trader Joe's for my apple picking. I think it's just you know it's just right there. <laughs> they have a wonderful selection. I can make an event of it. The lines yeah. are so long. You know you can meet people. It's that's it's great. true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with interacting with people, right? Indeed. Um. So speaking of interacting, we uh, interacting with people. We have a guest on the show today. He is a freelance photographer from Seattle, Washington. And in 2018, he published a book called 80s Redo, full of photos from some of your favorite artists from the 1980s as they look today. And he just published the follow-up, and that one's entitled Live Through That, 90s Musicians Today, showcasing current photos of artists from the 90s. So I, I thought of it as essentially a photographic version of a super awesome mix. So we had to have him on the show. He is Mike Hippel. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey, folks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, Mike, um, you're a freelance photographer. What inspired you to kind of go back and look at these 80s and now 90s musicians and kind of take a look at what they look like today? Yeah. So... Um on the first book, the 80s book, uh, I kind of um, was starting, I just had, a, we just had a baby, uh, we just adopted a baby girl, and uh, I was, you know, you're, when you first have a kid, you're kind of like in this little bubble, right? And I needed to like feel, get inspired and be creative, because, you know, I was needing to get something, to do something. So I kind of just cre- kind of created this self-assignment of like artists and people that I really admired, um, and I was just surprised, I didn't really expect it to go anywhere, and I, I just... I would email people coldly and then people would just say, Hey, I'll do this. Um, and it, it wasn't musicians cause I, I thought that was out of my reach. Um, but then, uh, uh, one day I got a phone call from, from this woman named Valerie from a band called new shoes. And they had that, that hit, uh, I can't wait in the eighties. 
Uh, and she's like, hey, could you come down to Portland and uh, help me uh, do some band photos? We're, we're going to go out and tour. We have this big thing, whatever. So I went down there and I was like, um, it just it just was inspiring to be kind of like, oh, wait, these these bands are doing the, they're still doing these really cool, creative things. And I had no idea at the time that there was like a little hotbed of 80s bands down in Portland, <laughs> like like she like uh, New Shoes was there. Martha Davis from the motels, um, uh, Tommy Tutone, you know, the eight, six, seven, five. Yeah. Nine, yeah. He's down there. All these people were down there. And so Valerie kind of hooked me up with some of those folks. And then from there, uh, I just kind of started, I'm like, okay, well, I could do this and just kind of add it to my little creative series. But at a certain point, it just became uh, a book idea and just kind of packaging it together because they all have such good stories. Um, and when I did the 80s book, of course, uh, that's the music that I kind of grew up on in my teen years was that. Uh, but I really came of age in the 90s. And of course, when the 80s book was out, I was like, oh, I got to do a 90s book if this one does well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in that, you know, I live in Seattle, Washington, so it was a good starting off point for that because, you know, there were a lot of grunge bands here. Of course, many of them said no, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I got, uh, you know, Chris Ballou from the President's United States of America. He, he was one of the first ones to sign on board. Um, and then randomly, I got an assignment to photograph uh, Chris Novoselic from Nirvana. Um, and I was like, oh, my God, how do I, like, get him to be, <laughs> be part of the book project, too? <laughs> That's um, amazing. That's a yeah, big get, yeah. A super nice guy, super nice guy. And he actually reached out to me because he was doing uh, a new band called Giants in the Trees, and he wanted me to photograph some uh, some new band pictures for him. So I was like, well, yeah, I'd be happy to do that, but can, uh, can I just take a couple of portraits of you just alone <laughs> and interview you? And yeah, he was great, he was great. So that kind of got it started off rolling, uh, that ball rolling. Sorry, that was a little bit of a long story. But no, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. how it all came to be. I had forgotten about Presidents of the United States of America um, as a band, and I'm so happy you reminded me of them because I listened to them all the time when I was younger, <laughs> and they still, like, I'm playing Peaches in my head right now <laughs> because it's just such a great, so many great songs, um, and yeah, Lump, and, like, all these other ones. He's fantastic, and I think he's, like, in this, he does, um, here in Seattle, he does, uh, he has this identity called Casper Baby Pants, where he kind of just plays <laughs> songs for kids. And it's kind of it's kind of makes sense, right? Because those president songs they were kind of like kids songs for they adults. They were, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Know, but but uh, yeah, he's great. That's that that's so great. cool. Well, so, um, w- let's get into let's get into this mix, um, okay. which features a lot of, as you mentioned, uh, musicians from the '90s and some great songs in here. Had a lot of fun listening to this one. Uh, you opened it up with "Slow Dog" by the band Belly. Tell us about this yes. one. So I've been a huge fan of Tana Donnelly since I was like 17 and she was in The Throwing Muses. Um, and then, of course, with The Breeders stuff and then with Belly. Um, uh, and she's done a lot of really good solo work after Belly as well, because they broke up after the second album. Uh, and then she did a couple of solo albums. And, uh, and even and during the pandemic, too, she had recorded, um, did a bunch of cover songs. Uh, which are amazing, and I really suggest you look up this phone, this song called "Bless the Telephone." It's amazing, but um, it, it's so it's so gorgeous. It just brings tears to your eyes. But um, uh, you know, "Feed the Tree" was the big hit off of that first album, uh, which I love that song too, and I still feel like that that song, all of those songs hold up. But "Slow Dog" just was kind of my it's kind of my my favorite one. I just love that that little chorus in there. She's fantastic. And I yeah, this was her for the book in Boston. 
Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So they're now in Boston, and um, that's where you ended up taking pictures of them. Okay. Um, And did you talk to them specifically? Like, when you put this mix together, were these songs that maybe you had conversations with them about, or or was it just kind of your favorite song from some of these artists? No, so when I I went about uh, creating the mix, I was just kind of, trying to find some of my my favorite artists from the book and some of the favorite songs from that book and some of the ones that have really good stories. Uh, Tanya was one of those ones that I was um, I was sure was going to say no because I get a lot of no's when I reach out to do this book and uh, <laughs> uh, but I really really wanted so badly to get her and uh, and she w- was so nice and sweet and just was immediately an immediate yes and um, I was totally starstruck. One of the very few people that I, I was really starstruck with because I was just I was nervous and I wanted to make it right, you know, so <laughs> yeah, but, uh, she was so sweet and nice. And um, unfortunately, you know, I because I was a little nervous during that shoot, I only did one big setup and I usually try for two or three. I was trying to be respectful of time and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, man, at the end, when we were putting the book together, I was like, oh, damn it. I wish I had just another setup to, to get to do a big double page spread or something. But alas, it worked, though. <laughs> it worked. She's she's great. <laughs> Oh, great. Um, track two, we get into one that um, got a little bit of a revival, I think, in the last few years with like, a, I think they were featured in a commercial for like Chase credit cards, but the Soup Dragons and I'm Free. Yes, yes. Uh, I could have picked a bunch of songs. And, you know, this is a cover of a Rolling Stones song that, mm-hmm. that they did. But really, I mean, nobody remembers the Rolling Stones song. You, when you think about this song, you, I mean, the Soup Dragons totally made it their own, right? It doesn't. Right. Even, it's like the Rolling Stones song doesn't even exist anymore. And uh, uh, Sean also, I went to London to photograph Sean, uh, and we met in the Shoreditch neighborhood. And he's just a really engaging guy and just has lots of great stories. And like his story of, you know, the, the fall of Soup Dragons and where he's been doing now is just... It's a long, twisted little road, and uh, but now he's he's just fantastic, and he does this song. Uh, this he he still does a lot of DJing, um, uh, but he also does his own records, and he has this uh, song that came out during the pandemic called "Bunker to Bunker," uh, which is also really great. It's with a, a Scottish guy, I think I can't remember his name, David McCalment, uh, and he goes under the, the moniker MacHi-Fi. Um, and I, like I said, I could have picked a bunch of different songs, but the, one of the re- main reasons I picked this one is just because uh, I had moved in, my, when I moved into my first apartment in college, my parents came to help me, and it was a totally scuzzy apartment. It was just a bad part <laughs> right. of town. And, As they and often are came. at that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my parents were there, and my dad walked in, and I, I had just put the CD on in my thing. And you know how at the beginning there's that big voice, and it booms, he goes, don't be afraid of your freedom. And at just that moment, my dad walked in, and I think he thought that there was somebody in the hallway, like, <laughs> going to a costume or something like that, and he totally freaked out, and it's just hilarious. But, Anyway, <laughs> but uh, I have good memories with that. That is awesome. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> I mean, it's like such a great, like, 90s party track, too, right? I mean, it's just like a classic, you know, as Matt said, like, you still play it today. Er- and and as you said, they've completely obliterated the Rolling Stones version. Like, this is, I, I started to play this at, at the first couple of notes. I didn't immediately recognize it. And then I was like, oh, of course, it's this song. <laughs> this is yeah. so, so good. <laughs> <laughs> And it definitely is like, you know, the beginning of that kind of party, London, Manchester, Manchester kind of mm-hmm. scene stuff, mm-hmm. uh, even though they weren't technically part of that scene. But it was really kind of the kickoff of all that. that. Well, let's take, us, take ourselves to, uh, to track three here. Um, and we've got We're All Happy by Possum Dixon. Tell us about that one. 
Yeah, this is a little bit of an obscure one. Uh, and Possum Dixon was, you know, they had a couple of radio hits in the 90s. You know, um, uh, Emergency's About to Happen is a good one. Um, uh, Watch That Girl Destroy Me is another good one. Um, but I, I really wanted to get Possum Dixon in here just because Rob Zabrecki, who's the lead singer of that band, uh, you know, after the band broke up, he kind of, again, he went in a crazy direction, and he's now a pro professional magician, um, which is just a, a total right turn, uh, left turn for where he <laughs> ended up being. Uh, and he also wrote this amazing uh, memoir that came out, I think, in 2018, 2019, called Strange Cures. And uh, it's fantastic. And I know everybody loves that um, uh, Patti Smith memoir, Just Kids, which is kind of like you know, the, the ideal of what a great rock memoir is. But, you know, this, the, his book is pretty close up there, too. And it's just, it's really, it's just a great book. And uh, I picked this song because uh, uh, I re when I was doing the book, I would go back and kind of re-listen to some of the songs that some of these artists had done. And, uh, and I had completely forgotten about this song. And, yeah, it was never a single or anything like that, but it's just like the beginning of that cacophony kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then... Goes yeah. right into that that uh, the chorus. It's just it's fantastic. I love it. No, it's a great pick, but definitely one that I was not as familiar with. But yeah. I, I I love the name of this band, and it was interesting. Uh, word is they picked this name based on a suspected murderer on America's Most Wanted, which yeah. which just sounds so '90s. Just making that statement, <laughs> right? Yeah, we heard it on America's Most Wanted. Um, oh my god! I just thought that was amazing. I used to watch that, and then Unsolved Mysteries. I don't know yes. if you remember it. Yeah, <laughs> with Robert Stack, of course. Yes. <laughs> and they redid, they've redone that for Netflix or something. Yeah, that's right. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of revivals pretty, going pretty on. Um, what was so impressive to me about reading about the background on this one, you know, you mentioned Zabraki. Um, he did this like recording in a warehouse. Like he was working as a mailman and he like did this whole, he like recorded everything um, and they would hide their equipment whenever they were done. And like he put this all together just kind of like in secret while holding this job. Um, and then like they released everything and, you know, they, they had a bunch of hits on their hands. So I just, I'm really amazed by that. Like it takes so much um, like dedication to your sound to to do all of that work um but you know when you believe in it like nothing's going to slow you down so i love that i really i admire that a lot yeah and they're one of those bands too that you know a lot of people kind of forget about from that time period uh and that's another reason why i wanted to bring up the 90s do, do the 90s book too is because there are, are a ton of artists that we all loved and you know while we may not remember their the band's name or the song name as soon as it comes on the radio we're like oh yeah there's that song um so, and I just wanted to kind of, you know, resurrect some of that stuff for people. Yeah. So, uh, this next band, a little more well-known, Fountains of Wayne, and you picked Radiation Vibe. Now, I, I looked at your website. You have a picture of Adam Schlesinger in your book. And yes. he passed away from COVID in April of 2020. So, I have to ask, you know, timing-wise, when did you meet up with him and, and take photos versus uh, when he when he unfortunately passed away? Yeah, so um, I had wanted to get Adam in the book for a long time, and uh, you know we we went back and forth with emails and phone calls, and we were never in the same place at the same time because uh, he was also in, doing work in L.A. Uh, but I thought he was in New York, so when I was in New York, it wasn't working out. Um, but then eventually we were in the same city at the same time, and that happened to be in November of uh, 2019. Hmm. Um, so not that long before he passed away. Um, and I probably did the interview because he didn't have a lot of time when we photographed. Um, 
I spent an afternoon with him that day, but he was mostly setting up. Uh, he was doing a performance with uh, a new band of his called Fever High, uh, which is you should definitely check out too. It's very like Cruel Summer era, Bananarama esque type music. It's fantastic. But um, uh, so I hung out with him in the afternoon, and then uh, early evening we we did some shooting. Um, but because he was going on stage, we didn't have time to do the interview at that point. So I probably had spoken with him uh, in February of 2020, maybe. January, February of 2020 to get that the interview done, um, and I was just you know COVID happened and shutdown happened and you know it was still way at the beginning of that stuff and nobody really knew what was going to happen and um, we didn't even know if it was that serious really right and then right um, right I I heard he passed away and it, I literally started to cry and I didn't even know him that well right yeah um, but it was just it was shocking to me that 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 had happened and it really kind of drove home the seriousness of what was going on. And uh, I mean, he was so young. He's our age. Well, I don't know how old you guys are, but he's like my age. Well, no, I, I felt the same way when I heard about his passing. That's when I kind of perked up and was like, well, yeah, this is this is sounds pretty serious then. This yeah. this whole pandemic thing. So, um, yeah, no, that, that's that's interesting that you uh, got to interview him and, and take photos of him so close to uh, his passing. And it was funny. It was just, it was a, it was he was definitely one of the the big ones I wanted to get in the band just be, in the book just because he was so he was part of Fountains of Wayne. He was a part of this band called Ivy that I loved. Um, all these really good. He was just you know a big thread of those '90s bands and that '90s sound. And mm-hmm. I, I chose Radiation Vibe just because it was the first one that I'd heard by them. And I remember hearing it on you know the radio, being like, "What is this sound? This is fantastic." And uh, uh, everything, yeah, it was just fantastic. And they have so many good songs. And I could have picked Stacy's Mom, and I could have done all this other stuff. And uh, but yes, I, we've I actually featured we feature Fountains of Wayne on our podcast a number of times. Um, always praising praising their sound and, and everything. So I was really happy when this one came on because this was also one of the ones that I had heard uh, or had grown up listening to, uh, and one of the ones that were more familiar on this mix. So I was super happy when this came on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's fantastic, and he was—he was again. He was so nice and just so generous with his time, and um, and you know that that actually goes across the board with many of the artists, both in the '80s and in the '90s books. Is that you know they really were just super nice people. I, I have no diva gossip to report on any of these. <laughs> books. You know, like they all were really That's just great. nice. You know, uh, people often ask, "Oh, what were they really like?" And it's like, well, they're just like you and I. They're just you know sure. regular people yeah. that have these immense musical gifts but that is so awesome i love that um all right let's get on to track five here you've got sleep on the left side by corner shop which i had not heard um wasn't familiar with this group or or with the song but really enjoyed it um it has like kind of a sublime like feel to it a little bit like i I felt like i like kind of listening to their sound but then also just an amazing bass line throughout the entire song i just feel like i listened to that forever so good so tell us about this one yeah, so, so you definitely have to listen to more of their stuff because it's definitely not very sublimish. But um, uh, <laughs> All right, they, fair. Their, their big hit was uh, <laughs> Brimful of Asha, which uh, Fatboy Slim had did a, done a remix of. And once he did a remix of that, it kind of like blew up and went everywhere. Uh, this is the opening track of that song, uh, When I Was Born for the Seventh Time. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he's British as well. And uh, just a... A very soft-spoken, quiet man. You would never assume that from from listening to the music, because he, he just, it just, to me, it just sounds very bombastic and just has all these like 
influences from like Indian music and Bollywood and rock and roll and the Beatles and all this stuff. It's like, it's kind of, which is kind of what the 90s was about, right? Like throwing all this stuff in a blender and like seeing what's going to happen. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, it fantastic. Uh, but I met him in London and uh, we photographed and uh, again, I, I, I was, he was, he was really quiet and soft spoken and we went for, you know, we had tea and then we went for a walk to do the photo thing. And, you know, as we're walking, he was like pointing out, oh, well, Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth lives over there. And then we went to this park and, you know, Bobby Gillespie from this other 90s band called uh, Primal Scream was there walking his dog. And he's just like, hey, it's Ginger, how you doing? And I'm just like, oh, my God, can I grab him and like ask him to do the book, too? <laughs> but <laughs> I feel like that would not be super professional. But uh, but it was just this 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 quiet, idyllic little London neighborhood and there were all these like 90s people that were just in the neighborhood just casually walking around and <laughs> being there and it was it was it was nice and um, uh, that album when I was born for the seventh time is, is really amazing and there's like a uh, a note for note version of Norwegian wood uh, in uh, Hindu it's really great but. oh wow that's definitely worth checking out. Um, another uh, Brit pop group comes in uh, number six, uh, track six here, uh, Velocity Girl with the track. Are they not British? They're not. Did I get British. that wrong? They're not. Yeah, okay. They're, technically, gonna... they're from Maryland, but they were assigned to Sub Pop. So I always thought that they were kind of a Seattle band. Oh. Uh, and now, and now, Sarah Shannon, the lead singer of that, actually lives in Seattle. So they kind of, I, I, I still consider them a Seattle band. In a weird okay, kind of I had that wrong then. Okay, bad, <laughs> bad research on my part. But I thought this was so. This song, the song is "I Can't Stop Smiling" by Velocity Girl. And um, what's interesting is this one took me to their video on YouTube, which was directed by Spike Jones. Oh, and yeah. uh, it's this really funny video where it flashes between them playing the song and then them sort of being sort of posed in this like Olin Mills kind of photography setup. Um, and so it really was kind of a kind of a funny video. And if you're familiar with Spike Jones's work, it shouldn't surprise you at all kind of uh, stylistically how this video looks. But I thought that was kind of interesting for uh, an obscure band to, to have a Spike Jones directed video like that. Huh. Yeah, I didn't even know they had a video for that. <laughs> I'll just check that out. Um, but uh, I just I picked this one out because it's you know uh, it came out I think in 1994 ish or something like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, 94. Uh, and um, uh, it was a, just that period in my life where I was like free and I was out of college and it's just a very happy song and I think it came out in the springtime because I could remember like driving to the, my first job here in Seattle and that song blaring in the background. It was just amazing. Uh, and Sarah, Sarah Shannon, like I said, um, she now lives in Seattle, and she's part of another kids group called the Nodits, which my kids and I have gone to a bunch of times, and it's kind of like rock and roll for kids, but that adults would like to. It's 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 uh, she's great, she's fantastic. That is awesome, Matt. I kind of feel like maybe the next direction for a podcast after we hit it big here is to do like a kids podcast. I think that it, it seems to be the trend. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Let's bring yeah. kids on with their own super awesome mix. It'd be a slew of, uh, like slew of Jojo and Siwa and right. uh, Rafi. And, yeah. A lot of stuff like that. There, kids music totally has come a long way, though, because there's, like, there's a lot of these 90s bands that are doing this kind of stuff. Like I already mentioned Chris Ballou from The Presidents. There's right, you know, right. Shannon from this. There's, um, That's really interesting. Yeah, there's, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, who was that? Uh, oh, Lisa Loeb, you know the... Uh-huh. Oh, yes, yeah. She, yeah. She, she's done a couple of kids' albums. She has, um, yes. A couple other 90s people have done kids' albums. It's, and they're they're not bad, they're good, they're good stuff. It's stuff well, 
and and if you and not to get too far off track with kids talk here but the uh, Pete the Cat cartoon on Amazon has a lot of uh, kind of mainstream artists that contribute to it like I think I think Dave Matthews has done some stuff for it and uh, I don't know some other artists like that and Lisa Loeb does the soundtrack to another uh, kid show so anyway yeah a lot of a lot of there is some better kids music out there yeah it's not as a you know brutal as i thought it would be listening to kids music <laughs> yeah you have ki- you have two kids right i have two kids yeah, yeah yeah eight and five but uh yes um but i also try to just introduce them to like regular music <laughs> sure. so I'm like, now just listen to this don't don't worry about that kid stuff yeah <laughs> but a lot this. of this new kid stuff from these artists from the 90s and stuff they sound like you know stuff that 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 we would enjoy yes yeah no i'll definitely have to check out those bands for yeah. sure it's definitely That's not awesome. baby shark <laughs> no, not that. Never that. Sorry, um, I'm so sorry. I just that. <laughs> so let's talk about um, an, an interesting song. Um, it's called <laughs> "Know Your Chicken" by Sibo uh, Mato. Um, this is definitely, hands down, to date, the most interesting lyrics I've ever got the chance to read, <laughs> <laughs> and also seemingly, seemingly one of the most hotly debated set of lyrics as to what she's actually talking about. Um, True. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. So so tell us about tell us about this uh, <laughs> this pick. So I love Chibomato, and there's a but like this first uh, and, it, and it means uh, food crazy in Italian. So nice, the first right, album was kind of like uh, a concept album on food, and they all have food related titles um, like white pepper ice cream and uh, birthday cake and all this other stuff. And they're kind of like these weird, you know, punk rock jazz spaghetti western kind of mm-hmm. like again throwing everything in a blender and just seeing what's going to come out um and then you know miho hattori is the singer on this and she has kind of a weird broken english kind of vibe on the way that she sings it um so again it's like you don't, you're not sure exactly what the lyrics are i photographed yuka honda for the book and um uh, she lives in new york city and uh you know she she's just amazing like if you listen to the, it's it feels like it should be a gimmicky song, but it really isn't. Right. And the rest of the, you know, the rest of their body of work is not gimmicky at all. Even though it has this kind of food vibe, or each of their albums have a very different kind of theme to it almost. Um, but they're they're when you listen to it, they're really sophisticated and they're really creative and interesting. And um, uh, and when I met Yuka, like she's just again, she's kind of a quiet figure, but she is just like this creative powerhouse and her whole apartment is filled with synthesizers and musical equipment and her cute little puppy. And, you know, you know like she's just, she, it, she, she just lives and breathes like creative energy. It's just, it's, it's amazing. I love that. Yeah. And I had seen them in the nineties on this tour. And one of the most amazing live moments I've ever seen is their, their encore. They came out and they did, you know, this was in the 90s, so Soundgarden was big. And they did like a 20-minute dirgy, droney version of Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden. And uh, I, I know like Journey and droney don't really, you know, it doesn't connotate like good, but it was amazing. It was so amazing. And it was just it was it went on and on for like 20 minutes. And my friend that was with me was like, what is this? Hap- what is going on? But I was totally mesmerized. It was just it was amazing. Wow. No, they they sound really unique. I mean, unique sound like, you know, uh, audio wise, but but also just even doing research on the band they've never really it seems like they've never really come out with an explanation of this song or, or any of their others. No. It's just like here it is. 
And so that was really unique. And to Samer's point earlier, it seems like people have all sorts of theories over what this song means and some of their other songs. And some people just say it's meaningless. But um, no, pr- pretty unique. I, I enjoyed this one, even though I was not uh, familiar with them previously. Um, and, and speaking, going on the kids thing, too, like when my kids were little, uh, they're, in, they're early teens now, but I would always sing this song to them and they would crack up. <laughs> of course, there's a couple of bad words in this song, though. So. Yeah, a little edit, a little edit there, but yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so track eight, we go to "Glad Again" by Fuzzy. Now, this band was, I think, out of Boston. Is that right? Yeah, they're they're another Boston band, and uh, Hilkin Mancini uh, is a name that you can't really forget. Uh, it's just a very unique name. And randomly, I um, back in high school. I attended this like summer arts program with the unfortunate name of Summer Fame, and uh, and she was actually in that as well in a different cohort. But I kind of knew her like when we were teenagers, and then in the '90s she had um, uh, this band called Fuzzy, which I didn't realize was her band uh, until uh, many many years later, actually, when I was trying to do this book. Um, and again, they're another one of the more obscure bands on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rolling Stone did call one of their songs mm-hmm. Flashlight, like one of the top 50 grunge songs of the 90s or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, um, that's right. And like recently, this was not yeah. like a list back then. And this was a band that had broken up, like formed and broke up entirely in the 90s. So yeah. that's pretty high praise 20 years on to get um, to get rated in the top 50 like that. Yeah, I, I didn't really hear. I don't really see them as grungy more. Mm-hmm. So it was like guitar poppy. But uh if you want to call it grunge, I guess. I guess I'll take it, right? But, um, but yeah, I just well, I love if this Rolling band. Stone wants to name us one of the top grunge podcasts out there, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, there you Even go. if we don't sound particularly grungy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just, I just love this band, and they have a, a lot of gems, and this is one of them, and it has one of my favorite lyrics. Uh, I'm hitching my wagon to a star that's got no weight. I just love that lyric, and. They're just, they're really, they're really great. And I, you know, again, one of the things about this book is I wanted to kind of bring up some of these songs to, you know, some of the artists that you do know, but some bring up some of the ones that you may not remember as well. Yeah, well done. This one, uh, I I enjoyed it a lot. It it is a great song. It's one that I could very easily just like crank up the volume, play loud and kind of like rock out to. It's good. Um, Another song, so track nine, that kind of reminds me, it, it, does kind of remind me of the 90s because I feel like a lot of bands were doing this then. Uh, you've got Sweetness and Light by Lush, um, which is like, no, it's noted as a shoegazing song or a dream pop. And I just love, uh, I love both of those genre titles because uh, they're kind of perfect. But then I also just wonder what does shoegazing mean? <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> so there was a bunch of bands in that, in that time period from Britain. And, you know, there was, there was uh, Lush, there was Ride, there was My Bloody Valentine. And I, I think, like, you know how the British musical press is kind of snarky? And sure. I think, like, a lot of these bands just kind of stood there and they like, looked down at their guitars, so they were, like, basically looking down at their feet. Right, of course. So they Yes, made that, that checks out. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Lush, you know, yeah, I, you know, maybe shoegaze. I don't know. It's kind of a weird term, but um, I don't really feel like they're shoegazy at all, necessarily. I... I um, I saw them in the 90s as well, and I, I swear to God, it was the loudest show I've ever been to in my life. And uh, uh, there were people like stage diving and all this crazy stuff. I'm like, what? This is this is not this, is, this does not necessarily sound like music that would would fit with this whole thing. But um, but yeah, 
Yeah, I, I looking into their catalog a little bit, this was kind of the least heavy uh, of their songs. Like this was kind of the most poppy, I think, uh, of the songs, at least that I found. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I didn't get these shoegazing, whatever that means. It sounds like very passive, I guess. And, and they didn't get that feel from this band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is a very loud song, yeah. to your point. Yeah. Like it's just like every everything is turned up. At, at its max like and they're all kind of competing for each other on what is the dominant sound it's really interesting it's amazing but it's good and yeah they were they were one of those 4ad bands that uh you know there's a whole art stable of artists on 4ad and you know back when i was that age if i had uh seen 4ad was a record label i would definitely want to pick that up um but my college roommate brought this one home and uh um i just remember being in love with the packaging and everything about it and uh, that's when I was in, I was in art school at the time, and the art director for the for Four AD was a, a guy named Von Oliver, and he also passed away within the last year or so. Uh, but he was so influential and amazing, and like all of us little art art school kids, based on you know some of these Lush records, we're like, this guy is incredible, and he has just an amazing body of work, and not to mention that the band is fantastic as well. So shifting gears a little bit from a very loud band to something a little quieter. Uh, this is Speeding Motorcycle by Mary Lou Lord, and she has a fascinating backstory um, in that she she dated Elliot Smith and was friends with Kurt Cobain as well. And uh, yeah. this is actual, actually a Daniel Johnston song, uh, Speeding Motorcycle is, that, that she does here. So this is a... Man, I mean, that sounds like a fascinating... That's who you got, you got to photograph her for the book? Yes, yes. And one of the reasons, I, she was another one that I really, really wanted to get in the book because um, I feel like that story that you just told about yeah. her relationships with Elliot Smith and Kurt Cobain and so on, and her, you know, fighting with Courtney Love and all that stuff. I feel like that's like, that overtakes the fact that she creates really great songs, right? And yes, she, she's kind of the queen of like doing these cover songs, like the Daniel Johnson thing. But again, uh, like the Suit Dragon song, she totally makes this song her own. And I know that Daniel Johnston has a huge fan base. Uh, but, you know, I, I kind of think this song is, her version is, is better, right? <laughs> I, I shouldn't say that. But it's just, she, she, again, makes it completely her own. And um, she's got a lot of other really great songs that she's written, too, like His Indie World, which kind of addresses some of those kind of things that some of the, you know, uh, more tabloidy kind of aspect of her life, but um, but she's just amazing. She's just has a really good body of work, and I think people should should recognize her for the body of work, and not necessarily the the tabloid stuff. And I really wanted to get her in the book to kind of highlight that. That's great, and I mean it's funny that you mentioned the cover being better. I Matt and I have actually talked recently about doing like a mix of like bands that kind of covered it better than than the originals. I, I think like sometimes we, you know, I'm not saying any of us are doing that, but sometimes we as people kind of dismiss a cover. Oh, it was just a cover. But it's like, no, sometimes the cover, like it's a completely new song, you know, and yeah. it's like, it's, it's a better song. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that we should, we might need to put together a mix on that on appreciating covers, you know? <laughs> no, I think that's a great idea. Cause there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot. Yeah. It's really cool. Um, all right, let's go to track 11. Um, this is, uh, you've got Mother Mother by Tracy Bonham. And I absolutely like listening to this. I was like, oh, she could go on the Women Who Rock mix that we just uh, we just yes. published that podcast. Because yes. this is such an amazing rock song. Um, and I love the lyrics. I love her screaming, everything's fine. Um, after listening <laughs> to a whole bunch of things. Like, 
such a fun song. So yeah, tell us about this track. Yeah, that um, again, like like the Velocity Girl song. It was just it, this song is kind of like the right song at the right time when I was that age and I was feeling that angsty and you know what I mean. And it was completely everything that you felt at that time, like trying to tell your parents that you're doing well, even though secretly you're really not doing that great. <laughs> right, <laughs> and, right. Yeah. You know, like. Like, like it's just, and then the the frustration that comes out in her voice when she's, you know, saying everything's fine, and um, and then you know, to boot, you know, Tracy is just a really fantastic human being, and um, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to kind of talk with her and hang out with her a couple of times, and you know, she's obviously in a different place now. She's not that that angsty person, but she's just like fantastic and an amazing musician who you know is very classically trained which you may or may not know just judging it from that one song but uh but yeah she's she's fantastic well i read she was classically trained on the violin and piano and so this mm -hmm. is a very like guitar heavy song but it's like she has these talents in in all these different instruments as well yeah and and i feel like she may have gotten a raw deal in the 90s too just because uh, you know, that first album was so great and, and her second album was even better, but it got kind of like lost in record labels shuffling around and all that other stuff. But, you know, it's, it's a shame because that second album is really, really great. And it was, uh, the second one was produced by Mitchell Froom, who, uh, had done a lot. He's just an amazing sound guy. And if you listen to that one, it's just really interesting to listen to that second record. Well, we've talked about Hanson multiple times on this podcast as a band that, these guys are really talented, but they had their big hit with Mbop and, and kind of got boxed into this, well, they're this little pop group, right? Like this little pop one hit wonder, but they're actually really talented. So, you know, sounds Everybody like she kind of falls into that same category. That <laughs> <laughs> I love Mbop. I love that song. It's a great song. Well, it's and not like, a bad <laughs> song, but to your point about her getting a little bit overlooked, oh, uh, you know, you and go. her talent maybe being overlooked because everyone knows her for this song, you know? Um, kind of similar similar thing there. Yeah. Um, so speaking of a band that maybe isn't overlooked, and they're actually still together today and still touring, uh, the Posies uh, yes. out of your home state of Washington, and you picked Solar Sister. Yeah, I mean, uh, so 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 I was going to say I thought they were a little bit underrated too, um, but uh, but you you don't think so? You feel like well, maybe underrated, but I felt like when I looked at your mix there were a handful of bands that, you know, honestly, I had not heard of before. Okay. Um, but the Posies were one that I, I remembered from the 90s. Oh, so I was like, oh, OK, good. yeah, the Posies. There we go. <laughs> so maybe maybe that's why I, I put them in that category of like, I, I feel like they're appreciated. I feel like they people have positive things to say about them. Good. Yes, Matt is a uh, Matt's a tastemaker. So if he likes, <laughs> <laughs> if, if he likes a band then they have made it. <laughs> That's his not-so-subtle way of saying that. Their streaming numbers are going to go through the roof after this comes out, okay? Because I said it, all right? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> kind of power I carry, all right? I host a podcast. <laughs> I, I love the posies, and they just create such amazing earworms, right? And... uh uh, yes. This is this is the earwormiest of the earworms, I think. Just that chorus is fantastic, and um, and I hope their streaming numbers do go way up. On this. <laughs> <laughs> Through the I, roof. I, Through I, the roof. I've <laughs> seen them at a small club in in Syracuse, New York, when I was a teenager, uh, and uh, there may have been five people there. 
<laughs> wow. So, wow. Yeah. But uh, I'm very, I'm very glad that, uh, that, yeah. And I'm sorry if I put some of the more obscure songs on here. Like, like I said, one of the things that I really wanted to do with the book is, you know, kind of lift up some of the bands that, that were a little under the radar maybe and, uh, and, and just kind of point them out, I guess. Well, one of the things we talk about with a mixtape is it not only brings in songs that you know and have memories of, but it's also it was also a great way to discover new music. Yes. So yes. we kind of encourage both when people come on the show or when we're making mixes, we really try to make it something where, you know, everybody's going to say, oh, I know that song and I love it, or I've never heard that song, but now I love it, right? So, yeah, yeah I, I love the fact that you put in some bands here that, you know, we weren't necessarily familiar with because... And, and, you know, something we talked about before is in the 90s, there was this transition as the Internet got bigger to you could hear music from overseas. So so some of the British bands kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit because they didn't get the radio play here in the U.S. But, you know, that that's something else kind of uh, that's old, but newly discovered by some people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm I'm. I remember in the eighties, you know, kids passing, you know, friends passing you mixtapes. And I was kind of thinking of that. Like I remember this girl, Carrie giving me a mixtape and, you know, Echo and the Bunny Men was on it and I'd never heard them before. And, you know, I think, it, and of course you, now you love them. Right. But it, it definitely introduced you to some of these things that you may or may not have known. And then, then they become your new favorite band. That's right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on and uh, putting this mix together. So tell everyone, when where they can find the book and where they can find more stuff about you uh so live through that comes out october 19th officially and you can get it wherever you buy your books if that's amazon if that's indiebound if that's you know bookstore.com or is it bookstore.com anyway wherever you buy your books it should be available um and you can go to my website at hipphoto.com h-i-p-p-h-o-t-o.com uh and also um uh, not to be competing with you guys, but uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a, I'm going to have a, a companion podcast that comes out with the book where I talk to some of the, where you can get some more stories from some of the artists. Uh, and that launches, and it's called Live Through That, and it launches October 12th, I think, too. That's awesome. We'll definitely so. give that a listen. That sounds great. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've really, this has really been fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for the great mix and the amazing stories. Um, come back anytime. This is awesome. Yeah, Thank no, you. absolutely. So all the listeners out there, you can find us on social media at Super Awesome Mix. And of course, go to our website, superawesomemix.com and click on events to find out how you can bring a super awesome mix to your next event. But there you go. Another super awesome mix for your collection. So for Mike and Samra, this is Matt, and we will see you next time. Super Awesome Mix is brought to you by DLM. Make shopping easy with DLM, the one-stop shop for all your casual clothing needs. Shop DLMSupplyCo.com and enter the promo code AWESOME at checkout to save 15% off your first purchase. That's DLMSupplyCo.com.